What's up, guys? Welcome to Zeus Podcast. My name is Saul Monali at Saul Monali NBA on Twitter. Here's joined by Adam Spolian of Sports Radio 610. Adam, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing all right. It is cold as hell outside. I, I'm I'm not bred for this. It's it's just I'm I'm bred for like 75 and up. Anything below that is just it's too cold. Just be glad the power is still working. Yeah, yeah. At least we have that going for us. Um. So I guess we kind of have to start with what happened on Saturday night. Uh, Adam, you want to run through what happened because I wasn't there. Uh, I mean, there's a lot, and it's kind of the question of do you want it how it went for me, or I guess how how we kind of learned as as uh, the night went on. I mean, it was a like you said, it, it was a weird day, and it kind of started really before tip off when um, you get the starting lineup, and Christian Wood all of a sudden is not in the starting lineup, and that was obviously very unexpected. At no point was he ever listed on the team's injury report. No mention of it by Steven Silas uh, before the game. Um, so obviously that takes you by surprise. And when the team takes the floor, he was not with them. Uh, he did join them for warm-ups uh, at the tail end. But again, he did not start. Uh, Daniel Tice started at center, which we kind of thought he would start at center against Nikola Jokic. Um, and the team got off to a very good start. Uh, Wood did eventually check into the game at about the it was the two minute fifty second mark of the first quarter. Rockets were up by eight. Wood did not play well. He played eight minutes, went zero for four. Uh, Three of his four shots were three-pointers. Obviously, he missed them all. Uh, he grabbed one rebound, and the Rockets were a minus 17 in his eight minutes. And the Rockets, at one point, were up 11 in the first quarter, and by halftime, they were down by 22. Um, the team was late coming out of the locker room after halftime. Steven Silas was not on the sideline for the Nuggets' first possession of the second half. Uh, Kevin Porter was not with the team at all at any point um the rocket said that porter was being examined in the back they were examining his uh left thigh which obviously has been giving him trouble uh, obviously that turned out to not be true christian wood was on the bench the entire second half he did not play uh steven silas later said that that was a coach's decision which again we have learned that might not have been true actually we know it wasn't true uh and the rockets lost and it was all pretty embarrassing uh you learn later that kevin porter jr uh left the arena uh at halftime or after halftime uh after kind of a confrontation with john lucas the rockets lead assistant uh porter threw something in the locker room um and Steven Silas said after the game that Porter did not come out in the second half because he was having his leg examined. So uh, there was a lot of lying going on and uh, really just an embarrassing night all around. And I'll give them credit. Had there not been a leak, they might have been able to pull this off because the lies were believable. This idea that his leg was being examined, he tweaked it during the game. Right. So like he was limping a little bit and like, OK, you can maybe buy that perhaps he was uncomfortable. So he was he wasn't out there. The Christian Wood thing, it was easy to discern that that was a disciplinary thing. So perhaps, you know, because of that, you don't play him in the second half. And up until the report came out, we were just going to be like, OK, next game. Right. Like that was going to be, you know, maybe Christian Wood gets a fine or something, but probably not. It was probably going to be a normal thing. And here's my take on all this. 
Kevin Porter Jr. throwing an object and leaving the arena is pretty inexcusable, and I think that warrants a suspension. Like, unless there's a family emergency, which this wasn't, there's no justification for leaving the arena during the middle of a game. Uh, there were people trying to defend this, and frankly, I don't care what the context is. Uh, Kevin Porter Jr. does not deserve the benefit of the doubt when you factor in his hi- history with the off-the-court stuff. Uh, there's a reason Houston was able to acquire him from Cleveland for absolutely nothing. and So there's that. And the Christian Wood thing, it's weird because he has moments of, like, good leadership, and then he has moments like this. Like, there are, there was also that incident from earlier this year where, like, he refused to shoot for, like, a half because he felt like he wasn't involved on offense the game before. Uh, and I don't know how to square those two, but I think we're starting to get a clearer picture of why he was bouncing around the league for the first half of his career. Yeah, um, this was always going to leak. I mean, it, it's just too salacious for it not to leak. Uh, whenever you have a player throwing something in the locker room and then leaving the arena, no one's keeping that quiet. So they could they could try to to keep this quiet as much as they could. It was never going to happen. And you saw very quickly, it wasn't just one person who had this. It was very quickly you had three different outlets have this. So you knew it was going to leak. They should have known it was going to leak. And uh, the lying during the game and after, after the game, I, I mean, listen, teams lie all the time. And I'm not going to pretend like they don't, and that's part of the game. That's that's the biz. That's business. But when it is discovered that it's a lie, that's when it looks really bad. And this whole thing, having Silas go up on the, at the podium and say that Kevin Porter was getting evaluated, uh, his leg was getting evaluated when he wasn't even at the arena. I mean, that's giving out too much information. Just say as little as possible. And the team saying that he's in the back being evaluated and he's questionable to return. Don't go that far. You can just say, you know, he's being evaluated or something like that. I mean, so they took they took the lies a little too far last night, and I think that they are made to look bad uh, because of it. I'm a little more forgiving of Porter just because I do think that he understood that he needed to get out of there so that things didn't go further. And so I give him – I don't know if credit is the right word – but he knew that he needed to cool down and he didn't want to do anything else regrettable that would cause him even more harm. So he left. And um, did he handle it the right way? Probably not. Nothing was handled the right way. But the fact that that didn't escalate even further, I think, is at least one of the positives that comes out of last night. Uh, he did. Uh, the Rockets did talk to him afterwards and he was apologetic about the whole thing. Uh, to me, Wood is pretty inexcusable. Um, Wood is 26, um, refusing to check into a game that that's inexcusable and that can't happen. And Wood deserved to, to be benched. I mean, Wood showed up late, Wood missed the COVID test, the tardiness thing. That's not an isolated thing. I mean, this has been kind of an issue with him from what I've been told ever since he joined the team and for that to keep happening and for him to, I guess, accept the consequences the way that he did and to play the way that he did. I mean, he, he probably could have not played at all last night, uh, but they let him play and he did not show up when he did play. That's bad. Refusing to, to check into the game is really bad. And um, I just, that that really, for me, it's, it's a turnoff. And this is a guy in Wood who says, and you've heard it many times, he wants to be the franchise guy. He believes he's an all-star. He believes he's a max player. He's got to act like it. And he didn't do that last night. And that's that was just a really bad look. And he's talked about how 
you know, Steven Silas has meant a lot to him, and he joined the Rockets because of Silas, and he basically quit on Silas last night. Now, maybe tomorrow all is, you know, they, they make up and everything's good, but that's you don't you don't recover from not checking into a game. Just ask Scotty Pippen about that. Yeah, fundamentally with all this, here's where I land. I think most of this will blow over. Like I think John Lucas and Kevin Porter Jr. are too close for that blow up to oh, cause. Oh yeah, that's a... that's that's no big deal. I, I I like I said, I don't think the Porter Lucas stuff is that big a deal. Um, Lucas, and I'm sorry for interrupting you, but Lucas is a confrontational guy. We've all known that. Yeah. Uh, I think it was last week or the week before they even referred to him as the bad cop of the coaching staff. Um, and Porter didn't handle it well. And sometimes that happens. Um, Porter obviously did not react the way that you want him to react, but you hope, I think that this, that there is a very good chance that that part of it blows over the wood stuff to me, just, it, it, it would bother me if I were the coach. It would bother me if I were one of his teammates right now. Yeah. Like th- those two, like they'll be fine. Like I, not too long after Kevin Porter Jr. Returns from, I think what will be a suspension. I think this will blow over. Um, none of none of what happened last night changes what I think of what Houston should do moving forward. And I think that should probably apply to everyone. I, I thought Houston should trade Christian Wood at the trade deadline, and last night didn't increase my urgency to get that done for Houston. Uh, I've said before, I personally wouldn't give Kevin Porter Jr. an extension this summer, and that also wasn't changed last night. Uh, if you were someone who thought Houston should keep Christian Wood or extend Kevin Porter Jr. this summer, I'm not sure what happened last night should change any of that. Uh, if you really believe Wood is worthy of keeping around because you believed him to be this uh, franchise-level cornerstone that, that is deserving of a giant contract, um, then you should be willing to put up with the occasional headache. Same logic applies for Kevin Porter Jr. If you're still willing to bet that he can become a starting point guard for a playoff team one day, this shouldn't change that. Uh, we already know the off-the-court stuff was a work in progress with Ken Porter Jr. I don't know. Uh, I don't think anything's changed other than maybe his camp's asking price for an extension goes down. Uh, and with with Wood, perhaps his value is like a touch lower than it was yesterday. But if you believe moving him now is the right thing to do, I don't know if that should matter about the asking price. Does everything I said there make sense? Uh, Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I don't think... I wouldn't give Porter an extension after this season, just basic based off of. His uh, play. I think that they should. I, I think that they should try and just uh, preserve their cap space because you look at at um, after next season, while that that whole salary spot comes off the books, the Gordon salary spot comes off the books uh, in, in all likelihood next season, unless they take on money. Uh, with his contract, um, Wood's salary comes off the books, and so you have Porter as a restricted free agent after next season, and um, with a low cap hold because he was the 30th pick in the draft. So you've got some cap space that you likely have to work with, and that's not something that they've been able uh, to say for a long time. And then as the roster starts getting more and more expensive, you know that cap space starts to evaporate. And I would not be in a rush to. Uh, to give Porter an extension based off of essentially a season and a half, I would want him to prove it a little bit more. Um, I like Porter as a player, and I think that he's done some good things for them this season, and he's gotten better in, in certain areas, but I'm not in a rush to extend him by any stretch. I, I and Again, the team has the advantage when it comes to guys coming off of their rookie contracts because they're restricted, and so there's not a whole lot that the player can do. If the team wants to keep the player, the team's going to be able to keep the player 95% of the time, so uh, that's why I wouldn't do an extension with Porter after the season. 
Uh, with Wood, I've been kind of on both sides of it. I, I see the talent, but at the same time, I don't necessarily see the consistency, and there's some position overlap uh, with some other guys on their roster and with some guys who they could uh, possibly draft, uh, especially in this year's draft. So um, there really shouldn't be anyone on the roster who is not a rookie that's untouchable. Um, So if you get an offer that you like for Wood, then you take the offer. Uh, If you don't, then you hold on to him and and you see what happens either in the summer or at the deadline next year. Right. Like I I don't think – Anything that, like, even if you were on the fence, or even, like, if you were on the fence last night, last night shouldn't have changed that, right? Like, the, the the overwhelming factors are this, right? Like, he's 27 next year and on the last year of his contract, right? And he's, you know, he's putting up the numbers that he's putting up on the offensive end. And 2023 is a major free agency year for you, right? And like that, that's those are the those are more important factors than. You know, you get what happened last night. I don't. I don't know if that changes anything for me, franchise-wise. No, you're right. And uh, 27 is that's a weird spot to be in for a free agent, just because, especially with him, and he has been pretty clear that he want he that he believes and he'll want a max deal. That means that takes you to age what 32, and that's not an offer that I would be pumped about. That's not you know the 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 prospects of paying Christian Wood max money into his 30s is not you know this is like you said there's a reason that he's bounced around and you kind of saw that you've kind of seen that uh, over the course of this season so um, it, it would all depend on the offer for me I mean if you get the offer that you want then you take it if you don't then you hold on to him but he's a really good player he's super talented but that's kind of the a tough decision that you've got to figure out is that do you want him around long term? I don't know. I don't know the answer to it. You know, you know what I did find important from last night? Jalen Green is starting to look like a legit franchise cornerstone man. Like he's rounding the corner pretty strong. Like he scored 29 points last night and he did it by making his threes and getting to the basket. Like attempted 14 free throws. And here's what he's averaging over his last four games since he's returned from injury, that hamstring injury. 23 points, 47.5% from the field, 45.8% from three. And here's what I find most impressive. 7.7 free throw attempts per game. So I was on here last week with mutual friend Alikan Bajani after Jalen Green's debut from the hamstring injury. And I talked about how it was a little unsettling for me that his best games almost entirely depended on his three-point shooting, right? Like that just kept on being a trend throughout the season. I, I, I saw some of that break just before he got hurt, but then he got hurt and then he made he had that game coming out of the hamstring injury where he just made all his threes, right? And I found it concerning that he wasn't getting to the basket consistently and more specifically like drawing content. I thought he was shying away from contact in a lot of instances of instead of just going straight up. And so I was like, so are the Rockets going to have to wait for him to like increase his strength in the offseason before he's comfortable doing that? And to his credit, he's completely shut me up these past three games. He's he's using his quick first step to drive past dudes. He's getting to the basket. He's drawing that contact. It's really impressive and this is what Houston season's all about Jalen Green like this is a guy they took with a second pick in a stacked draft class it wasn't really a question who they would take for like two weeks leading up to the draft and they need him to hit in a big way because there's no guarantee they draft that high again and if they do it doesn't get any better than the 2021 draft right yeah and if uh all the stuff from last night overshadowed just how good green was and uh, you mentioned the free throws they all came in the first half the shot looks really good 
I don't know what the percentage is since he came back, but forty-seven and a half percent. Yeah, it, and it just it just looks different. It looks better. Uh, it looks a lot more consistent. Um, he's exploding to the basket now. And I thought what was most important, what he talked about is last night as being kind of a an important uh, benchmark for him is that he was able to play both games of the back-to-back. And we've seen him play big minutes in some of these games. And for him to play well against uh, Miami on Friday and come back the next night and play well against Denver, that's that's really big for them moving forward. And it shows that uh, the hamstring seems to be in really good shape because it's important that he plays. It's important that he's on the floor. And uh, it, it looks like that he he talked last night about how he's kind of bought into the program and they were a little iffy if they wanted him to play both games of the back to back. But he said he was ready for it. He felt good. Uh, he's taken stuff. You know, he's been taking things seriously in the weight room, which you don't always see from young guys. It, maybe it'll take them a little bit of time to figure out how important that stuff is. But he's taking it seriously. He looks strong. He looks as explosive as ever. And that's important. You know, the th- the uh, the four rookies. Uh, those guys are key, and we've obviously seen Shingun play well. Uh, you've seen Josh Christopher play well. Garuba is still a work in progress, but um, you want to see those guys improve as the season has go- as the season goes along. And at least with the first three, you can't really say it with Garuba because he hasn't been on the floor very much. But the first three have improved really quite a bit over the course of the season. And this dude in particular is so important. Like it's so important oh, yeah. that he hits over any of these guys. Right? It's one thing drafting a guy. Uh, with the 23rd pick in the draft in like in like Usman Garuba, right? It's totally different with taking a guy number two. Number two is where you look for stars, right? And like he, what I find most impressive about his game is the off-ball stuff. Like I love that about his game. Like last night, most of his threes came while he was moving off the ball. Like he did most of his work off the ball. And then he had one three where he took like one dribble, but he was coming off a screen to do that. Right. And like, that's my favorite part of his game. He's so flexible and where you can place him on the court. And when you're, when you're talking about building out a team, that specific skill set will unlock so much for Houston because they can like build guys that are more, you know, usage heavy. His game translates really well to a lot of different team constructs. Yeah. And they did have him on the ball a little bit more. That was kind of the silver lining of, of, uh, of Porter not being there, and obviously they didn't have DJ Augustine, who was in health and safety protocols, is that it forced Green to have to play a little bit of point guard. And I think that they were happy with how he handled that. I think that's something that he's wanted to do a little bit more is is handle the ball and to be the primary ball handler within the offense. And you know he's getting better at all that. So um, I, the month away, I think it helped him. Uh, and that was something that Stephen Silas talked about uh, his first game back is that he said it, it should it should have helped him. It should have helped him see the game just from watching it from the bench and he put in a lot of work and he you know we've talked about John Lucas with the Porter stuff he put in a lot of work with Jalen Green and they went through some pretty intense shooting drills after practice uh, over you know the last couple of weeks when he was you know nearing his comeback and the work is paid off so you know you give Green credit for putting in the work and I think you also give Lucas a lot of credit as well and, and Barbara Turner and Robbie Keck and the rest of the, the player development team Gerald Green yeah, that that release is quick. Like, like it's it's looked. He's looked really confident, and it's it's not two motions anymore. It's one motion. It's like he goes straight up and down. He's not swaying his legs forward. The arc isn't too high anymore, right? Like that was a big thing with his shot. Uh, it the the, the ball used to go high, too high, and like now it's like it, it's gotten back to a reasonable level. And you know, the, I, John Lucas deserves, deserves a lot of credit for that, obviously. And 
you know, I have, I have a question for you. Is it possible he was banged up going into the season? Because he looks like healthier. Like, I don't know how to describe it. He just looks like springier. And he had that hamstring injury in the summer league. And I've, you know, I've just, just watching him now, he just looks like a different player from the start of this season to where, he at, where he's at now, just driving to the rim. I, I, I don't know. I, I Honestly, I didn't notice anything. Um, but it, it's one of those things where playing in the NBA is hard, and it takes a lot out of you. And it's a very physical game. It's a very intense game. And it's an everyday type thing. So it, it might have just been that he was a little worn down from playing you know, a month of NBA basketball just because of the physical toll that it takes on your body. So maybe maybe that's what it is. Maybe he's better conditioned today uh, than he was back in October, November. He's credited the conditioning, right? And John Lucas is a guy who runs his players into the ground with the conditioning. Like, like we've seen him trade out, train athletes. He, he just, like, these guys come out of these workouts, like, panting for breath, and they're just, like, dog-tired, right? And that, that, that seemed to, like, the game is, he said it a bunch of times by now, the game has slowed down for him, and it shows. And he put Shingun through quite the workout after practice on, uh, I think it was it was on Thursday, and the player, some of the other players who were watching were just laughing at Shingun just for 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 how tired Lucas basically made him uh, during that. He was basically just trying to help him move his feet and move laterally, and uh, he he works his guys hard, and they. But you know the one thing is they they improve, and I think the the guy that you look at the most is Clint Capella, who went from being you know a pretty good player. Uh, his first two years in the league, and then he took a pretty big step after after Lucas got to him. You want to talk about Josh Christopher a little bit? Because he has looked really good, and, and it seems like Steven Silas is starting to trust him more, play him a lot more minutes. And I'm, I'm curious to see how this works when they integrate DJ Augustine, if he continues to receive those minutes. Obviously, they've had some guys miss games because of the COVID protocols, but like... I think I have a feeling he's going to stay in the rotation. Like I, I, have, I don't think he's going back to the G League. I, I, that's my sneaky suspicion right now. He just looks so good and so confident leading those second units. He's like their secondary ball handler right now. No, oh, he, he's been too good. He's been too good to go back to to the G League at this point. Uh, I, I think that you'll see him remain. Um, with the NBA team and I, I don't know if the minutes will be the same because I do think that there are going to be days where they need just the steadiness of Augustine and that was a big reason you know there were there were times earlier in the year where uh, they might give Christopher you know a handful of minutes in the first half within you know fourth quarter they would give those minutes to Augustine I, I think I do think it'll be a little bit different I'm very interested to see once they get everybody back because they have been shorthanded for this stretch without Matthews and without Green and without Porter you know Porter missed some time and Augustine's now missed some time so I'm interested to see when they get all of their guards back and they won't have them back uh at, at least tomorrow in, in Philly because uh uh, Armani Brooks just went into health and safety protocols, but uh, I do think that there there should be minutes for Christopher. He has certainly earned them. He's played at a very high level. He was on the floor and played well in the fourth quarter against the Lakers on Tuesday night. He's a two-way guy. Uh, he can guard um, the opponent's best guard. We saw him do that really at a high level against James Harden uh, last month. Um, he can run the offense through him. Um, he can play off the ball. He's shooting the ball well. He was at 38% from three uh, after the uh, the last back-to-back. I don't know what it is now, but he's gotten a lot better uh, with that. He's. You know, I talked to him about that uh, on Thursday. 
where he's a little bit more used to where the three-point line is. He's more used to the longer closeout and just the better athletes that you have to deal with. So um, he's he's been really good. And it looks like you know the second pick in the draft, that's a pick that you have to hit on. Uh, but it really looks like with Shingun at 16 and with Christopher at 24, those tend to, those picks tend to be lottery tickets, and it looks like they've hit on those two lottery tickets. Yeah, the the, the Christopher pick looks like it should have gone top 20. Like the, and that was 24, obviously. And, and that uh, was a reach. People thought that was a reach. And I thought it was a reach, that, for sure. Yeah. yeah. It, he, he had a second-round grade by a lot of people, but uh, he certainly looks better than a second-rounder. Yeah, 100%. I was wrong about that big time. And um, the Shang the Shangun stuff, obviously, like he he obviously looks fantastic. Looks like a top seven pick in the draft. If you if you go back and reorder that draft, it'd be interesting to see where he ends up going. But um, these guys look really really good. Uh, Garuba is interesting because I think Garuba is he's looking like a longer term project than a lot of people would have expected. Like a lot of people had Garuba in the lottery. Like I'm not sure if people remember how high. Uh, you know, the draft community was on Garuba. This was a guy that people thought, okay, he's coming out of a professional league. He's He played real minutes against the USA squad and looked really good uh, defensively. And he's probably one of the best defensive prospects in the world right now, right? Like it, in terms of like just straight up versatility, can defend multiple positions, can play big, can play small. The offense is just like there's not really much there, and that's a guy that's probably going to be in the G League longer than I would have expected. Yeah, I, I think that he will certainly get a lot of G League time this season because he does need to develop the offensive game, and uh, you've you've got to be able to to be some sort of a threat on that end of the floor. You don't have to be great on that end of the floor by by any stretch, especially if you can be really good defensively. But yeah, he's he just got to get better at it, and. Um, they got plenty of time. There, you know, there's always the the feeling that we got to rush these guys and we got to rush these guys in. Sometimes they're not ready, and it's okay if they're not ready. They don't have to be ready right away. Uh, you know, development takes time for some people, so just let them play. And if they are good players, they will usually hit those ceilings at some point if they put the work in. And there's no reason to think that you know Garuba, Christopher, Shingun, Green, and any of these guys won't put the work in. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a while for for Garuba though, because not only is he well, like he's far behind guys too, right? Now. Right, that, that that was gonna be my point. Not only is he far away offensively, but he there's just not a spot for him right now. And I think I think that's probably gonna be a guy that I'm not even sure if he's gonna get real playing time next season. Perhaps maybe at the second half of next season, but I like as of right now. Unless he makes major leaps, it's going to take a minute for him to see play NBA basketball, like serious, consistent minutes. He might play garbage time here and there, but uh, everybody else looks kind of ready to be in the NBA. He's the one guy where it's like, okay, uh, he's probably going to have to spend some time with the Vipers. And there's nothing wrong with that. Clint Capella spent basically his entire rookie season in the G League, and he turned out just fine. I think there's sometimes a stigma against playing in the G League. There really shouldn't be. Um, the Spurs right now have what the 12th pick in the draft. Josh Primo is he still in the G League? I, he's barely played in the NBA this season. There's nothing wrong with with getting your work in in the G League and getting better that way. There are uh, just for whatever reason people think that there's like a stigma against that. There shouldn't be. Let him go to the G League. Let him get his experience there. Let him get his playing time there. They have a very good staff uh, with that team. So let him get his work in with them, and he'll be able to come up and contribute every now and then in the NBA. And then you wait and see what you've got. But uh, you, you don't hear, I, I think Christopher described him basically as a grinder. He's going to outwork you 
and he's just got to develop the rest of his game. He's going to work hard. He's got to develop the game. Yeah, Mahmoud knows what he's doing down there with the Vipers. I that, that that's I mean, and historically that program has had a lot of head coaches arise. You're talking like Nick Nurse. Um, you're talking Matt Braze came from the G League and he's with the Kings now. I think I, I can't remember what what team he's on now. He's he's an assistant coach uh, that's moved up. Obviously, Chris Finch from the G League Vipers. Like they've had a bunch of head coaches arise from that program, so they know what they're doing. Uh, so I think I think he should be fine there. Any thoughts on Trev Queen and uh, Deshaun Nix? They look okay. I mean, but they're playing against third string units so far, so it's hard to tell, you know, what what to make of it. Yeah, they they got pushed into duty a little bit over this past week, just with the back to back and with some guys being out, and so it, it's good for them to get some experience at this level. But uh, if they to be, you know, even if you're on a two way, it takes talent to earn that. So. Um, you're not going to just waste, especially with where the Rockets are um, organizationally, where they're in a rebuild. You're not going to waste a roster spot uh, when it comes to guys on two ways because you, if if they didn't think that there was something there, they wouldn't be on a two way deal. So you're so the fact that they are in the NBA, they're on a two way deal. It means that the team has some has a sense of belief and. Um, Nix was a guy that they obviously identified after the draft and Queen was with them during training camp last year. So um, they obviously saw something with him then and they saw some improvement with him to, to get him a sec to get him in the, uh, the two way deal this year. Yeah. And they rushed to get Queen. Like they, they did not have to make the Daniel house move when they did. It seemed like they wanted to do that because they wanted to scoop up Queen. And with Dacian Nix, that was a guy that was highly recruited at coming out of high school, just didn't have the best uh, time with the, the G League Ignite. So this is kind of like them getting them on the ch- getting him as an undrafted player and seeing what he is. Um, yeah, I mean, this is going to be the last time I see you probably until after the trade deadline. Who do you think stays, or rather, who do you think gets moved? I think Gordon is a guy. I think we, pr- we probably both agree will be moved at the trade deadline. Is there anybody else you think will eventually get moved? Uh, I think certainly Gordon is a lock uh, as much as you can be a lock, you know, depending on if his health holds up and and things like that. But yeah, I I certainly think uh, he's a guy that they will trade at the deadline, if not before. Um, Other than that, I think it kind of depends on the offers that they get for wood. If if they get a good offer for wood, then I think there's a really good chance that they would take it. Other than that, I don't know if I see – a whole lot of movement coming from them. Um, Tice would certainly be a possibility if there's a team that needs a backup center and a solid professional, which is what he is. Um, maybe same thing with David Nawaba, who again, solid professional who can guard a lot of different guys, and which teams like that need. I don't necessarily, I know you brought it up, but I don't necessarily see somebody taking on DJ Augustine. I just mostly because um that contract, you know, it's it's not small at $7 million, and whoever w- would acquire him is probably going to be right around the tax. So do you want to go over the tax so you can sign DJ Augustine? It's unlikely to me. Um, so I, I see Augustine more as a buyout guy uh, once you get past the deadline. But I think Gordon certainly is one guy who I would not expect to be with the team uh, once you get past the deadline, and then we'll see about the rest. Yeah, with Augustine specifically, I mentioned him because they need roster spots. Because if they do a, an Eric Gordon trade, you know, that's a significant salary. I mean, there's not a lot of guys that can one for one match Gordon's contract. So they may be taking, they may have to take on two contracts. And if that's the case, they're gonna have to clear. They're gonna have to move somebody. And 
the obvious name there is Augustine. I, I don't know who else you'd move um, unless you're planning on um, just straight up buying him out. Like yeah, or th- I this think... early, like I, I guess you could do that, but it's 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 pretty early. Yeah, um, just looking at the roster, to me, Augustine is more of a buyout guy. Maybe you can find somebody to take on that contract, or maybe you throw him in, you know, with a third team. But I, I don't see them like wanting to uh, to give up an asset or something like that in order just in order to do that. So I, I would be a little bit surprised. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of different possibilities that they could go with in, in that regard. Yeah, uh, and as far as C- Christian Wood, right now, I I I would trade Christian Wood, but I would say there's probably a fifty-fifty chance that they actually do the move. Right? Like I'm I'm it. That's quite a bold thing to do for an organization, but it is something that I think would be beneficial to them. You know, I've I've laid out the case over and over again. We don't have to do that now. But if I were to bet on who actually gets moved the deadline, I'd probably land similar to you. I'd probably just have Augustine in there. That's the only difference. It's it's probably going to be a pretty conservative trade deadline for them. But uh, where can we where can we read your work and follow you on Twitter? Uh, SportsRadio610.com and Twitter at Adam Spillane. And uh, we'll see what happens. You know, we're doing this on what it's eleven forty five on Sunday. We'll see what comes out of you know the fallout from what happened last night, but obviously that was ugly and I'm interested to see how that goes. What do you think? Suspension or no? Um, Would, yes, Porter, probably, but I'm not as sure about that. Okay. But I I feel, I mean, I I think if you refuse to go into a game, then that probably deserves a suspension. And, you know, I'm, like I said at the very beginning, I'm a little more forgiving of Porter because, I, I do feel like that he understood that he needed to get away just because he did not want that to escalate more than it could. And should he have left? Probably not. But that I do, I do think that situation could have wound up getting a little more uglier than maybe it was. And it was already pretty ugly. And it helps that he did apologize. Yeah. Uh, you would like to have seen them do something publicly today. Um, they have been silent, um, both social media uh, and uh, normal media today, but uh, tomorrow will be a very interesting day, both at shoot around um, and before the game tomorrow, and then after the game tomorrow. So, it's it's you would prefer if they were playing in Houston uh, the next couple of days, but they're gone until Friday. It should be very interesting. I, I suspect we're going to get that answer at shoot around as to what happens with those two. Um, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Follow the podcast on, on Twitter, by the way. I, I don't do a good job promoting that. It's at Brett Nation Hoops on Twitter. Uh, go, follow, go follow the podcast there. Give us five stars on iTunes. Yeah, guys. <laughs>